Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I said, thank you, Lord Jesus. Is anyone thankful? Am anyone thankful that we actually serve a God that's alive? And not a fake God, not a God that's made out of wood, not a God that's made out of gold or silver. No, we serve a God that will actually speak to you. He loves you. He adores you. He wants to heal you. He wants to provide for you. His name is Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, the church should be excited about these things instead of just sitting back. Oh, well, praise the Lord. I wonder when we're going to get done here. A church should be an exciting place for us to be in. Exciting. It ought to be exciting to give. It ought to be exciting to, to worship. It ought to be excited to hear the word. Is anyone excited to hear the word in here? I mean, it'll change your life. It'll change your life if you allow it. Oh, come on, church. It'll change your life if you allow it. Why? Because his word and his presence, it changes every fabric of every being of who you are if you allow it. If you allow it, that's the key. Amen? If you allow it, that's the key. Anyone going to allow it this morning? Amen? I'm talking to myself here too, church. We going to allow it? Because he's been ministering to me nonstop on this topic. You know, you know Pastor Jason there is... As, uh, was kind of alluding, and it's, it's a, it was a great offering message here to kind of build upon what, what the Lord is going to have us talk about today. Amen. Talk about today. But before we get into that message, does anyone in here, does anyone in here like sports? I almost don't really want to talk about it after watching my football club play last night. <laughs> but does anyone like sports in here? Now, I love sports. You know, I love sports. I, I grew up playing sports. You know, sports is what helped pay for my education or some, some of my education back in the U.S. And, and, I, and I'm thankful for them. There's a lot of good things that it provides. And I'm just, you know, I, I, I love sports. So, so even as, a, as an older person, I have a, a tendency to bend into, into liking these things. And, and since I have become Irish, how I many of you know that? I, you may not be able to tell from me accent. But I'm Irish. I got passport now to prove it, right? See, I, see, I look out here amongst all of, a lot of you out here and see, listen, a lot of y'all were born Irish. See, I chose to be. Amen. See, the Lord gave me a mission, and I chose to be it. And I chose to, to live my life. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, he was like, where do you think you'll live in the, in the millennial reign? And I said, I'm going to live in Ireland. He said, why? Because that's where God called me. This is home. This is the, this is the place where, where I will never leave for eternity. Glory to God. Now I'll get to back, bounce back and forth to Jerusalem and, and see some cool things around the world, right? But this is home. Glory to God for it. And since this is my home, amen, I've changed the kind of sports I watch, right? I've gotten more into football or, or soccer, as the Americans would call it, and, and Gaelic sports and, and, and things of that nature, you know? And I want to tell you, Pastor Jason, my, my wife so appreciates you <laughs> for you getting me hook, line, and sinker into football, you know. But listen, church, I, I was sitting there chatting with the Lord the other day because there's this thing called the, the transfer window, the summer transfer window, which, you know, the, 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 the football clubs of, you know, right now are right in the middle of it. And, it's, and I find it very intriguing because it's not really – a U.S. thing. It's not, according to U.S. sports, we don't really do that. So I, I find it interesting. 
And I've been paying attention to all the money that goes forth on these, on these players. I mean, I mean, I'm not kidding you, church. There's people that are going for over 100 million pounds a person. 100 million pounds, 110, 115, 108, 186. I mean, it is absolutely unreal the amount of money that, that's going for a, for a game. And I was sitting there talking to the Lord about it, and I was, and I was sitting there telling you know, because I was kind of gawking over it. I was just like, Lord, I mean, this is unreal. I mean, they, is, they think this player is worth 115 million pounds. I mean, wow, I mean, that is absolutely amazing. And I heard him slowly just kind of stop me. You know, when, you know, when the Lord starts to speak to you and you just, you just really get that check on the inside and you come with peace, like because the fear of the Lord just, just automatically hits you. And he said, he said this one thing to me, and it really caught my attention. He says, do you know, do you have any idea of how much I value you? Hmm? See, I don't know about you, but see, I chat about the Lord with everything. You know, some people think, oh, oh, I only talk to him in the morning. I only talk to him in the evening. I may talk to him when I come to church. I talk to him about everything, all day long, about all things. So I'm sitting there, what do you think? What do you think? And he said, listen, son, don't you, don't, do you have an idea how much value I have for you? He says, do you know what I gave up for you? He goes, I gave up. I am God that created the heavens and the earth. I created everything. I created that game you love to watch. I created all things. He says, and I gave up the most valuable thing I have, Brother John. He said, I gave up my blood for you. For you. I ask you, church, you know how valuable you are to him? Do you know how, you know how much value he has for each and every one of you. I'm telling you, when we, when we come to, to see this place of how much value he has for us, it will begin to shift something on the inside of us to we won't just have value for the things that he possesses, but we'll start getting the value for him. See, you don't love him because you're just that great of a person. No, you loved him, the scripture said, because he first loved you. But what is it that you love about him? Is it, do we love the stuff that he has? Or do you love him? I'm telling you, church, the more intimate I get with Jesus, and I'm telling you, this is, this is a life journey ever since I came, a face-to-face encounter with him in 2008, I believe it was, when I came to that, that hunger of knowing exactly this, God is real. I've been seeking out intimacy. I, I, want, I want to know him. I want, I want to know him at a deeper level every single day, not just once a week, not just once a month, every single day. This is what, this is what I, I shoot after. And the more intimate I get, listen, I, I believe I'm finding out the secret. So why many of much of the church, we're not possessing the promises that he's already given to us. See, he's, he's already given us promises. He's already provided all things for us. But not, not many of us are walking in it. Not many of us are walking in it. See, we're, we're, you know, we, we, we all like to seek out prosperity. We seek out healing. We want to seek out the gifts of the Spirit. You know, we want to we seek out things that He has. And listen, church, in His mercy, in His mercy, many times He'll pour out these things for us or He'll pour out these things upon us. But are we seeking out the things that he has? Are we seeking out his stuff? Our church, are we seeking out him? Because I'm telling you, I think, I think many of us are seeking out healing. We're seeking out things that he has, 
But the reason you're coming up short and grabbing it because you're seeking out the gift, you're not seeking out the gift giver. You're not seeking out the, the one that possesses all of these things. And it's like I can hear, I can hear the Lord speaking. I hear him calling to the church. He's like, come back. Come back. Come, come back to your first love. Come back to me. Not just the stuff I have. Come back to me. And you'll find you'll have everything that he has. You'll find that you'll possess everything that he has. Because listen, church, I'm, I'm telling you, I believe we as the church, not as this church, when I'm talking about the church, the body as a whole, we're, we're on the verge of, of, of being like the church at Ephesus where, where the Lord is going to come and he's going to take his anointing off of many of his dead bodies of Christ. Why? Because they don't represent him anymore. They represent everything. They, it represents the world with a, with, a, with a name tag of Jesus on it. Hmm? But it doesn't represent him. It doesn't represent his word. It doesn't represent his presence. And when it's not representing him, listen, he's going to have to take his, he's going to have to lift his anointing off of it. Why? Because he's not the head of it anymore. He's not the head of it anymore. I mean, listen, there's churches that, you know, we, we sit there and we, you know, we speak in his name. We'll, we'll have sermons that we may mention his name. We may not mention his name. Listen, we may even pray over our food and say it in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for this. Amen. But, but listen, is Jesus actually welcome to come and commune with his body? Is he welcome to, to come in and do exactly what he desires to do? Hmm? Is he welcome to come in and, and have dinner with us in the morning? Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning? Is, is he welcome? See, this is why, this is why we teach in, in this church and we teach up and there, we teach in intimacy all the time. All the time. You say, why is that? Because listen, church, we got to keep the first things first. Amen. We got to keep first things first, amen, to be able to, to do and to be and to receive everything that he has for us. We got to keep first things first. You say, what are first things? It's about him. It's about him full stop. Nothing less, nothing else, nothing, nothing more. It's, it's about Jesus full stop. He should be what every sermon's about. He should be what every conversation about. He should be why we're believing for everything we're believing for. It's him. It's him. And that's it. It's just full stop. You see, church, we can find ourselves hunting after, hunter, hunting after everything but not him. But listen, if you will hunt after him, you'll find that you will begin to possess everything that he has. Because he's not holding back anything from the church. But we got to get our posture, we got to get our focus, we got to get our heart back in line with searching after him and not the things that he has. You know, you know, listen, you know, Pastor Jason and I, listen, we're, we're faith teachers. I mean, as a vein, we grew up and this is, this is who we are. We teach faith, amen. Faith to receive, faith to believe, faith, amen. It's a core part of this church. Amen, we need to start applying our faith to, to get into int intimacy as well, not just for stuff. Amen. We need to apply our faith for intimacy. I mean, listen, we're, we're teachers. Faith, you know, faith ought to include everything that we're doing here. Amen. But listen, you can go to many churches around the world nowadays and listen, you know, they'll teach you. They'll teach you how to stand in faith to not receive everything that God has for you. Amen. 
They'll teach you how not to receive healing because he doesn't want to heal you. They'll teach you how you not to prosper because you ought to be in poverty. They'll teach you how to not, how to not walk in what he's called you to do. And we're not going to do that here. Listen, we're faith teachers. You say, what else are you? You're either a faith teacher or you're a doubt and unbelief preacher. Amen. We're not going to be doubt and unbelief preachers. We're going to, we're going to, we are going to grab a hold of his word full stop. Amen. But the sad thing I see is it's like many times nowadays, it's like faith churches so-called faith churches that, that, preach, that preach this word, now it seems like they are the very example of what these other people are using to say, this is why this doesn't work. This is why it doesn't work. Look at them. Look at what they've done. Look, nothing happened for them. Look, look at this. Look at that. And look at the other. And you say, well, why, why do those things happen? Because listen, church, I'll tell you, I've, I've been in ministry for, for, you know, what, 15 plus years now. And I've seen and I've been around a lot of ministers in my lifetime. And I'm telling you, I've heard a lot of people preaching and teaching faith. And they'll hammer it and they'll hammer it and they'll hammer it. They'll hammer it from the pulpit. And it's like, man, that sounds good. But when you get around them in their personal time, listen, they're not living in faith. They don't walk the faith life. Oh, I know how to preach these things, but they don't know how to live these things. And you don't know how to live these things, it means nothing what's coming out of your mouth. Nothing. Why? Because there's nothing that's going to back up what you're saying. Nothing will back up what you're saying. Amen. It's a, it's a life of faith. It's not just a message we preach. Amen. It's, it's the faith of God. It's not just a message. It's a lifestyle to who he's called us to be. And see, so you see some of these ministers, some of these people, you know, they're the very ones that begin to step back and walk away, turn away from the faith message. Even the ones that have seen miracles, signs, and wonders at one time. They walk around, they discount these things. And you say, why is that? Because they've, they've, they've walked into a stalemate. They've gotten stagnant. When they got, you get stagnant about a faith message, you get stagnant about praying for the sick, you get stagnant. Listen, you're going to stop doing those things, right? You'll stop doing those things. You'll stop believing God for those things. Why? Because it's more about the people, right? That ain't the way it is here. I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble. Listen, I love you people. Amen. But you're not why I come here today. I come here to meet Jesus. I come to encounter him. Jesus is the church. I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming to get consumed with him. I'm coming to hear the very words that I'm ministering that the Holy Ghost gave me to minister. Why? So it changes something on the inside of me. I'm coming to meet him. I'm coming to encounter him. I, I want his glory. And I want just, I don't want the same glory I had last week or the year before. I want more and I want more. And I want, is there anyone here that wants more of him? Well, church, we're going to have to do something about it. We're going to have to do something about it. Because see, when things get more consumed about people than they are about him, listen, listen, we're going to find ourselves in a bad predicament. A bad predicament. And listen, I'm not trying to be critical on the, on the church here, but you know, listen, we preach truth around here. Amen. And we, we want to preach truth so what? So we stay out of the trap, out of the snare that a lot of the church has stepped into. And the Holy Spirit wants to keep us moving in the right direction. So what happens? We say we get focused on people instead of self-evaluating. You're going to have communion Sunday next week. You know, Pastor Jason, he's probably going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's going to talk about, listen, judge yourself 
before you take communion. Judge yourself. Self-evaluate where you are and what you're, what you're believing God to do. Why, why are we believing the things we're doing? Why are we doing the things we're doing? Self-evaluate. Why? Because if you self-evaluate, it'll keep you moved in the right direction. Right? It'll keep you moved in the right direction. And you won't change what you speak. You won't change what you do just to keep people coming. You see, Pastor Jason hit this right on the head. You know, so many of us think that our churches are successful if we have, you know, 2,000 people in our church. Oh, no, that's a proper church. I'm going to watch them on YouTube. Hmm? Oh, man, that church is powerful, man. They're in Ireland. They got 200, 300 people, man. That's a powerful church. Really? When has people ever been a prerequisite? When has people ever been the, the foundation of success in the kingdom or success in the church? Huh? What is success in the church? What does success look like? It looks like Jesus showing up. I don't care if you got five people in that place. Listen, if Jesus is showing up, that's where I want to be. If you're gathering a thousand people and Jesus isn't there, listen, I'm going to tell you, church, don't show up. If Jesus stops showing up here, stop coming. Why? Because that's why we're coming here. It's not a social club. It's coming to seek him. He's what success looks like. When he walks into the room and you can feel his anointing come upon, come upon you, come upon the people. When he comes and rests in here and people get healed. When he steps into the room, that's what success looks like. That's what success looks like. Hmm. I'm not talking about getting goosebumps or having the hair stand up on the back of your neck. <laughs> I'm talking about posturing ourselves to continue to have a church that he feels welcomed. Because hmm? Jesus shows up where he's welcomed. He shows up where he's being worshipped. Hmm? He shows up where our focus is upon him and not just the things that he has. Sometimes I wonder if we're just satisfied with him. Or do we need more stuff to be satisfied? Are we just satisfied with him? Because I'm telling you, we need to be satisfied with him alone. I'm not, listen, as I say this, I, for some of you people that don't know me, haven't been, haven't been around me so much, listen, I'm not saying this because there's no presence in this church. No, there's a strong presence in this church. I mean, I'm not saying it because of that, but the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to give a warning he wants to bring confirmation to some of those that are, that are believing some of these ways. There is a surefire way of offending Holy Spirit. There's a surefire way of offending Jesus. You say, well, what is that? That's desiring his stuff, desiring what he can bring without desiring him. And this is what we're going to have to stay away from. We got to begin to get back to a people. If you if you're not there, get to be a people that's desiring Him, not just the things He brings to the table, not just what He brings to the table. Now, listen. You know we're faithers. Listen, we we teach desiring things, right? You can get into the scriptures. I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit up in Derry. And listen, the scriptures specifically say desire, you know, you know, hunger, you know, go after the spiritual gifts. We are called to desire things. We're desiring, we should desire to be prosperous. 
We should desire to be healed. We should desire to have the gifts flowing through us. We should desire these things, but it should never pull precedence over him. Because if he shows up into a room and it's just nice and quiet and, and things aren't popping off, fireworks aren't going off, listen, if he shows up, that ought to be enough. That ought to be enough to meet, to meet our needs. Because see, it's not, how shall I say that there, Lord? We have to have a proper measurement of our affections. How many of y'all know that Jesus, he measures what we are affectionate towards? <laughs> It measures where our heart is on things. Just like Pastor Jason was talking about, listen, you can give, you can give, you can give, and listen, there's a lot of teaching out there, listen, and seed time and harvest, because it's absolutely true. You give and it will come back to you. It is, a, it is a spiritual law that's in place. And see, God, even though it's a spiritual law, he measures our motives and why we're doing things. And if your motives are off, listen, church, you're going to be separated from him. When he's trying to draw you near, it doesn't mean that you, oh man, I got a whole bunch of stuff to back up where my faith is. Well, we'll praise the Lord for that, but where, but where, how, how, how's your walk with the Lord? Huh? Because that's what's important. That, that's, those are the things that are important. You know, Kimberly and I, we've, I guess some of the stuff that kind of sinks in to me. And her, because listen, we get this kind of stuff all the time. And there's a lot of people we've been around. You know, you know as many of you know, I was, you know, I was a successful business person before God got put me into full-time ministry. Amen. And I know what it's like when people have affections for things that you have instead of you. I'm telling you, church, even in ministry, there is people that want to come up and rub shoulders with you. Rub shoulders with it. Get to know you. Why? Because just maybe you'll be the benefactor of what their plans, their purposes, their pursuits are. Amen. But they don't want you. They want what you have, but they don't want you. I mean, I'm telling you, I know, I know, I know the Lord. I know his, his heart on these things, how, how it's highly offensive. I mean, because it's like you can smell these things a mile away from people. I mean, it blows me away. People think they're so slick. I mean, people, they love to do it to my wife because maybe they think she's an idiot. I'm telling you, she, she has a keen sense to, to smell these things out a mile away. People come, they want to give you all these subtle little comments, amen, try to lay out the snare for you so, what, so you can fall into the snare and a little bit of compassion will get pulled on you to where you can, you'll begin to help them and do the things that they, they really need you to do. I'm telling you, stuff is offensive. That's one, one quick way of getting yourself away from me. I can't stand that stuff. I mean, I'll even, and I've even given to people and in the, in the, in that, in that, uh, with that type of attitude because compassion gets, gets a better hold of me. But listen, I, I think it's disgusting. I think it's absolutely disgusting. If I think it's disgusting, listen, I can, I can, hear, I can hear the Lord and how it breaks his heart. I mean, when people go after everything he has, but they don't want him. Oh, man, I want salvation. Man, I want to ride on white horses, but yeah, hang out with you. Ah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And see, the crazy thing is, church, and see, there's some people in here that can attest to this. Listen, if you get me, you'll get everything I have with me. Hey, man, why? Because you get me, you get the stuff that come with me. Right? 
And Jesus is the same way. He's saying, listen, if you just come after me, if you'll just come grab a hold of me, everything I possess comes with me. Everything that you've been believing for, it comes with me. But you've got to come after me. You've got to come after me. Don't just stick your hand in this pocket. No, come after him. I mean, then begin to pour out the things that he has. Listen, you need, you need to be provided for. You need healing. Listen, even Jesus, even in his compassion, when your heart's not right, he's just like me, just like anyone. Listen, compassion, listen, he'll heal you. He'll provide for you. He'll do amazing things for you. But listen, it will never be sustaining for you. There will always be a gap. Why? Because it's always, I need this, I need that, I need that. But you find out when you get one, you get coming in unity with him, you actually allow yourself to be married to the bridegroom. Huh? You'll find out all these things are already yours. They're already yours. So where does this change begin? Listen, where, where do we shift? Where, where does this shift need to come in our hearts? Listen, church, it only comes from the secret place. It only comes from a place of prayer. It only comes from a place of, of, of diving into the word of God. Listen, you come into the secret place. This is, this is what will change your life forever. I don't, I don't understand why Christians don't want to spend time with him. Why they don't want to study the word. Why they don't want to, they don't want to get in prayer with him. I, I cannot by any any. By the smallest, you know, tittle of anything, I can't, I can't, I can't grasp it. I can't get a hold of it. I mean, when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, it's all I wanted to do was be in His presence. I wanted more of His Word. I wanted more in prayer. What has come to the church? I'll tell you what's come to the church. They want what He has. They don't want Him. They want what He has, but they don't want Him. There is a secret. There is a secret to the secret place. Hmm? There's a secret. You've got to have a desire birthed on you, on the inside of you to dwell in the secret place of the Most High to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You, gotta, you, have, to, you have to have a, a posture to dwell there, not just come in and out. Oh, I'll come in here when I need something. Here's my laundry list. Whoop, I need all this, Lord. All right, I'll see you later. Now I'm going to go. I'm going to go back out and do all this stuff. No, no we got to be people that come and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Then you'll find you do abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You'll find he'll say, he is our refuge, he is our fortress, it's our God, it's in him and alone we trust. Not in your army, not in your riches, not in your job, not in your government. Hmm? But trusting in him and everything that you have. See, the truth of the matter is, church, what you're intimate with, what you're intimate with in the secret place, will produce an outward expression in your life. It'll, it'll produce something in the public. It'll produce something that people can see. What you do in the public can only come from the secret place. See, many of us a desire to do things. Is there people in here that desire to do things in ministry? You, want to, you have a desire to, to, to lay hands on your neighbor and get them healed. You have a desire to lay hands on your children. You have to, listen, listen, these things, the public ministry of Jesus is, comes from the secret place. If there's no secret place, there is no public place. Hmm? There is no public place. No matter if it's on a pulpit or if it's walking in the grocery store, there is no public place if we don't have a secret place. 
We got we to gotta hunger after the things of intimacy. Look, turn with me here. There we go, Lord. There in Matthew chapter 6. Now this, we, we know this, this is one of the famous sermons Jesus has preached, right? It's called the Sermon on the Mount, right? Now listen, listen to how Jesus begins to, to reveal in that God perceives our motives and why we do the things that we do. Here he says in verse 1, he says, Take heed that you do not your alms, that you don't give before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you, when you do with thy alms or you do your giving, do not sound the trumpet before you. Don't be like the hypocrites that are in the synagogues and in the streets that they, that they may have the glory of men. He says, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. He says, but when you do your alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing, that thy alms may be in secret. That your father, which in secret, uh, which your father, which seeth in the secret, himself shall reward you openly. You know, Jesus says, "Listen, don't be like the hypocrites." Listen, I'm Island Church, don't be like the hypocrites. What are the hypocrites? It's the ones that, that look like Christians, smell like Christians. They wear the mask of a Christian, but you strip that mask off, and they're nothing but they're nothing but a dead tomb. They're religious. Don't be like the hypocrites. Hmm. Don't virtue signal, goodness gracious. Walk around doing things so people can see how holy we are. Huh? Because listen, if you give to impress man, the Lord says, there's your reward. There'll be a reward. Oh, man. Oh, look at Brother Anthony, man. He's, he's so holy. Man, he really believes that faith message. You know, he actually got up and gave during the offering. You'll have your reward. Huh? You'll have your reward, but if your your motivation is to honor God, if your if your motivation is to worship Him, if your if your motivation is is to have Him praise you, to Him fall in love with you, listen, you're not you may not receive the word from man, and, but God says, listen, from that from that that attitude, that posture you have in the secret place, oh, I'm about to exalt you in the public place. I'll exalt you. You won't have to do it yourself. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Why? Because it's in our humility that we get exalted. So we think, oh man, I'm going to get exalted. Then I'm going to get humble about things. Then I'll get humble. No, 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 no. It's in your humility that the Lord will begin to exalt you. When you make yourself little in your own eyes, fully trusting in him, he can begin to exalt us. Hallelujah. Jump on down there to verse 5. He gives another example. He says, for when you pray... You shall not be as the hypocrites are. Man, he sure is hard on the hypocrites. Hallelujah. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. He goes, for they love to pray, you know, standing in the synagogues and on the corners in the streets that they may be seen of men. He says, verily I say, they'll have their reward. He goes, but you, when you pray, enter into the closet. And when you, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father, which in secret thy Father which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. Now listen, church, Jesus isn't saying don't come to corporate prayer. He's not saying don't, don't pray when we come to the church together. He's not saying don't, don't give in the offering when we, when, when we give you the ability by faith to give. He's not saying that. He's saying, listen, mind your motivation for why you're doing things. This is the point he's trying to come off with. Mind your motivation. What is your motivation? Where is your heart? And why you're praying. Where is your heart when you're giving? 
Because if you're doing it, if you want to pray and be man, a great man of speech, and so, you know, man, it's a man of faith, man, when he prays, things happen. Listen, he says, you'll get your award of man if that's what you're looking for. Hmm? But if your heart is to dwell in that secret place, the Lord says, listen, I'll honor you. I'll exalt you. I'll raise you up in the public place if your heart is right, if your motivation is right. Verse 16, he says, another example, he says, moreover, when you fast, be not like the hypocrites of sound countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They have their reward of men, but you, when you fast, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that you may appear unto men not to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. He's saying, don't walk around like, oh, man, it's, can, can you hear my stomach growling? Man, I'm so hungry, oh, but I'm fasting for the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's not saying, he's not, you know, you, you, people should not be able to tell when you're fasting. Listen, church, I fast often. I fast, I fast probably twice a week, every week. No one knows when I'm fasting, except possibly my wife, because I'm not eating the things that she's prepared. I mean, people should know when you're doing things. Why? Because church, I'm not fasting for you. Huh? I'm not fasting for you so you can say, man, Ryan, man, he, had, hey, he is a preacher, man. He sure is holy. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it to deny myself. Huh? I'm doing it to get my flesh in check. Why? So I can become more intimate with him and more intimate with him. Jesus, what else, what else is in the way? Let, let's get it out of the way so I can get more intimate and more intimate and more intimate with you. Huh? Now you may be able to perceive the result of fasting. You may perceive the result of my giving or to receive the result of my prayer life. Why? Because when the Lord sees what you're doing in the secret place, he begins to reward you in the public place because he can trust you with more anointing. He can trust you with more anointing, so what does he do? He pours out more glory upon you and more glory upon you and more glory upon you. See, church, we can't, we can't, ex we can't expect a greater anointing from greater self-exaltation. Hmm? See, you can see it all over. You look, 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 look on fast. Why I can't stand social media. It's not because of what people, the world's doing. It's because of what preachers are doing. I mean, exalting themselves. Look, look, if I can just get some more likes, if I can get more people watching us, if I can just get more of this man, I'm going to be more famous. I'm going to be anointed. You're not anointed. You're getting your reward from man. Instead of you're anointed for him. Listen, I'm not, I don't have a problem with people doing things on Facebook. Listen, if we had someone that likes social media, I'd let them do whatever. They, I'd let them mind our social media for this church. Amen. But I'm not going to do it. I don't want my face tagged all over everything. I don't need likes. I don't need any of that rubbish. Why? Because I want his like. I want him following. I want him showing up. Everywhere we go. Right? Because greater anointing is derived from greater intimacy. Let me say that again. Greater anointing is derived from greater intimacy. You want anointing on your life? Get intimate. I am intimate. I still want more anointing. Get more intimate. Hmm? And you'll, you'll find a greater anointing come upon you. See, I've seen, I've, you know, I, I, I've, there's so many people that walk into this church or walk up to Derry and they're like, man, I've never been. The, the presence of God is in that place. It's like, you're absolutely right, it is. You're absolutely right, it is.
you know, I remember my pastor, when he came down here for the conference, you know, he went up to Derry first before he came down here. And after he was walking out that first day, I mean, he walked in, he's like, oh my Lord, he goes, the presence of God is in this house. And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And then come down here and we had some of the most powerful meetings that we've ever had. Why? Because the presence of God was in this house. Hmm? What is that, what is that attributed to? It's attributed to you. It's attributed to us. It's attributed to a family, a group of people that are, that are pressing in, going after his presence. Why? Because what flows in the public place? Listen, it comes from the private place. It comes from the secret place. Hmm? You desire a greater anointing? We want more presence in this place? Does anyone want more presence in this place? Or are you satisfied? Now, I'm not satisfied. I mean, this church looks so much different than it did five years ago. And there's probably a couple people in here, Martin and Pastor Jason, a few people that actually know, listen, listen, this church is completely different than this. Listen, there is a nice anointing, a nice presence there, but it's completely different. Why? Because now corporately we're getting more people and we're all pointing into the same direction. You want more presence? Man, seek him out. Seek him out. I mean, you feel a little bit stagnant in your life? Amen. Seek him out. I mean, seek forth, the, seek forth the river of living water and allow him to consume you, spirit, soul, and body with his abundant life. Seek him out. Hmm? Oh, come on, church. I mean, seek him out in these things. Hmm. Because he's the one that, he's the one that will break all these things loose on the inside of us. Listen, church, this is what we're doing today. We're just feeding and feeding and feeding, trying to create a desire, not because there isn't one, trying to stir that desire, trying to spark that desire, trying to poke it with a stick, trying to get to where it burns out of control. Because this is when we get so saturated in his glory, so saturated with his presence. You know, Jesus says he'll build his church. You see, it's not necessarily about advertising. Listen, you know, Paul, John, the apostles, they didn't have to go advertise the church. They were so filled with his glory. Amen, that people begin to come watch them burn. And I got a word for you, church. If you will try to push to that next level, because there's another level, there's another layer that God's trying to pull, uh, pull down for this house. And if you will allow that layer to be exposed by, by getting, pressing in, hungering after it, I'm telling you, church, we will have people, you will have more people come into this house specifically because of what's being birthed here, what's being hosted here. You know, I think it's Clara. She was sitting there talking about, you know, people are coming all over the world to this house because it's like an ark, right? An ark of protection, an ark, an ark of his glory. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It is an ark. You know why it's an ark? Because it gathered it all up so it could build people up and protect them. Why? So it could lay down the door and release them all out so they could change the world around them. You want Ireland changed? You better get filled up with this presence, church. You want, you want the nations changed? You want Europe changed? You want Italy changed? You want Africa changed? You want Asia changed? I, Lord God, I want America changed. If we want these things changed, you better get filled up with His glory. You better get filled up with His presence. You better seek after Him and not just, oh, just make me anointed where I can go out and heal the sick. Just, just make me rich enough and I can do... No, no, go after Him and you're going to find every tool you need is going to follow is going to follow them. But where are we? 
Where are we? You know, the Lord gave me, the Lord gave me this, you know, as I was studying, he, he, he gave me some, uh, some examples here. In John chapter 20 and John chapter 21. And listen, these are, these are scriptures that we know well in this house. We, we know them, we know what they're talking about. Is they're taught over and over and over. We know, we know but I'm, I'm, the Lord wants to come at them at a different angle today. He says there's four examples here of our public expression from what an inward motivation looks like. There's, there's four examples here. He said, Ryan, ask them, which one are you? He says, which one are you? So as I'm going through these things, I want, you to, I want you to analyze yourself, judge yourself. Which one is you? Who are you in this case? First off, let's, 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 look, at the, let's, look, in, let's look at a woman of intimacy. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 11. It says, but, but, Mary, but Mary stood without, outside the tomb or outside the sepulcher weeping. And when she wept, she stood down, she stooped down, and she took a look inside of the sepulcher. She took a look to see what was going on. Now listen, this is an account of a beautiful, a beautiful woman that was intimate with Jesus. She was intimate. This is what intimacy looks like. See, she, if you go back into the, into, into the verses before, you'll find that, that when Jesus, you know, this was Sunday morning and, you know, after the Sabbath and she came as fast as she could, she was looking at the tomb, wanting to, wanting to do what? She was hunting after Jesus. She wanted to come into, into contact with him. She wanted to get into his presence, whether dead or alive. She was going after him. And she looked, she saw this tomb was open. She was like, oh, my Lord, they stole Jesus. So what did she do? She ran back to the house. She told the boys, boys, they took the king. What happened? You know, Peter and, Peter and John, they got, they got, they took off running, full steam ahead, running, 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 running. They got to the tomb. They looked in. They said, yep. It's just like Mary said, there's no Jesus. Now they saw, you know, they saw Jesus' garments there, that what was wrapped around his head and around his body, like Jesus just walked right through them, like he does through doors and walls. Amen, but they didn't, they didn't put two and two together. They just looked and said, oh man, he's gone. Oh, and they turned around, all disappointed. Oh, oh man, I guess, I guess I don't know what happened. And all discouraged, they walked on back to the house to tell everyone, yeah, you know, you know, Mary, she was right. You know, Jesus is gone. We don't know what happened to him. We're, we're out of luck now, boys. I don't, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Mary didn't leave. Mary didn't leave. She stood there. And when all the boys left, when all the big bad boys, all the apostles of the Lord, when they walked off, no, she stood there. She stood there and she, she took another look. She took a second look and she peeked in the, in, in the inside of that tomb. You say, why is that? Because this is a woman that loved much. Why? Because she'd been forgiven much. She'd been forgiven much. You say, wow, was she a big sinner? Well, well, apparently so. She had seven devils that need to be cast out of her. She's no bigger of a sinner than you were. Hmm? No bigger of a sinner than you were. See, see we get this false, uh, this false idea that, that the worst of a sinner we are, we can have more forgiveness, and this is going to make us love more. Maybe that's why some of us were such good sinners. Isn't that right, Anthony? Hmm? But see, that's not the case. Mary, just like many of us in here, we come to that recognition, you know, my life is absolute hell. I don't care how big the sin was or how little we think that sin is. We were full of it and we needed a redeemer. We needed a savior. 
Amen. And we came to him and said, listen, I know even the littlest little things, even those little thoughts that I have, remove those. Lord, I want you to forgive those things. I don't want to keep them. And she realized how forgiven she was. Amen. It made her fall in love with her king. So she began to look. She began to look. She began to look. She took a second look into this place. And in verse 12 it says, and there are two angels there in white sitting, one at the head and one, one at the feet where the body of Jesus laid. And they said unto her, woman, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? And she said, and then because they have taken my Lord and I don't know where they've taken him. I'm telling you, the boys left. And when they left, see, the angels didn't come talk to her, them. They talked to her. See, they left. They saw nothing when they looked into that tomb. But when she gazed back in that tomb, two angels there were waiting for her. They're like, dear lady, why, why are you crying? What's going on? I mean, they're alluding to, you know the scriptures. Why, why, why are you crying? That's what they're alluding to. But she wasn't having it. Why? Because she didn't come there to meet with angels. She came there to meet with Jesus. And she said, I don't want to talk to you. They're taking my Lord. I don't know where he is. If you don't know where he is, then, then, then shut your mouth and leave me alone. Huh? Because she wasn't searching for them. The supernatural didn't even get her distracted. Huh? It didn't distract her. She kept on pursuing. To where you see there in verse 14, and, and it says, then, then she turned around, she saw Jesus stand there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, why, why, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Obviously the glory of God was in his, his countenance has changed and she didn't recognize him. And she thought he was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you know where he is, where they've laid him, tell me so I can go pick him up. And, she, and, and he made this one statement. Mary. Mary. And she immediately recognized his voice. You know, like when your lover calls to you? You know, see, many of y'all could call Ryan. See, I can, I, can, I can pick my wife's voice out from a million people sitting in here. Ryan, just the way she says it, I know it's her. I know Jesus when he calls my name. Why? Because I'm intimate with him. I talk with him. I may not recognize all this other junk going on, you know, because I'm, I'm confused and things are going different directions. But he says, Ryan, I'll stand to an attention. I know it's him. Immediately, she recognized it. He said, don't, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to me. Because I haven't even ascended to my father yet. But you just go to the boys. The boys that left, you go to them. You go tell them. Go, go tell them I'm going to my father and to your father. I'm going to my God and your God. I find that absolutely amazing that Jesus held up redemption for this one woman. This one woman. See, Jesus, he didn't go to heaven and come back. He says, I haven't ascended yet. What? He, he was descended. He was in the place called hell, giving Satan a, a good whooping. Right? And then as the Holy Ghost came upon him, he came up out of that place. He said, he's like, Father, I'm going to have to stop for a second. Why? Because my lover is over there. She's over there. And, and listen, I, I sent two angels over there. She ignored them because she's not going after anything except for me. So I have to, I've got I, I to call a timeout. And he went and said, listen, Mary, I'm here. I'm here. Don't hold on to me, though. I still got to go place my blood upon the mercy seat and cleanse heaven and provide redemption from all of humanity. But I hear I came just for you. Church, that's intimacy. That's what intimacy looks like. Hmm. 
What, what a woman of humility. That God would put a pause on all things just to come, just to come give her a little bit of peace. And that takes us into the second account. As she met with Jesus, he told her, he gave her a mission. She went back to talk to the boys. Boys, y'all left too early. You got too disappointed. You got stressed out, whatever. But listen, I met with Jesus. He met me. And he says he's on his way to complete redemption. And he told me to come reveal this unto you. And you know, from another account, not John's, but another account, it says that they didn't believe. The guys didn't believe. They're just like, oh, come on. What is all this nonsense? What, what, what are we getting on? What are you talking about? You met with you. Uh, you think he's going to meet with you? You think he's going to meet with you instead of me? And Jesus walked in the room, rebuked them, abraded them because of their unbelief. And they said, put your fingers in my hands. Put your hand in my side. Right? And they breathed them said, receive the Holy Spirit. Instantly got reborn once they believed. Right? But there was one. We call him Doubting Thomas. He said, because he wasn't there when, when Jesus came to met with the other 11. He said, you know what? I don't believe that nonsense. I know, Peter, you're a good lad, but I think you like a lot of attention. Yeah, I don't really believe he came to meet you unless he comes and reveals himself to me personally. I'm not going to believe. Eight days later, what happens? Jesus walks into the room. He says, Mr. Doubting Thomas, here are my hands. Stick your finger in my hands. Here is my side. Stick your hand in my side and believe. Why? Because i got a mission for you. I need you to believe. He says, you have seen and believed. He says, but blessed are going to be those that believe and they don't see. And they don't see. And see, this exchange that took place here did what? Sent Thomas off to a place called India to where he ended up getting martyred for what? For a people that never saw him. Why? So, they could, so we could have people like Joel and Dolly coming over here to our beautiful nation. Hmm? All from an encounter. Leads us to another one there in chapter 21. Why don't you come, come on up here. Leah, give me a hand here for a second. Now Peter was with the boys. He's already seen Jesus, touch Jesus. He's already reborn. He's grand. Right, but he's still confused. Man, things just didn't work out really the way that he thought they would. He denied the king. Man, problems are in his life. But see, there's one thing that he has. He's a leader. So he says, you know, I don't know what to go. I don't know what to do from here. But I know one thing. I know what I know how to do. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to make a living. I know how to provide. I'm tough. I'm strong. Let's go fishing. And all the boys said, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. And they went out. They fished and they told all night because they fished at night over there. And thank God they didn't catch a harvest because they would have caught a harvest. I'm telling you, I don't know if the next thing would have been able to take place. But they came back empty-handed. 
And there was a man sitting on the shore. His name was Jesus. He began to look at him. He said, boys, did y'all have anything to catch? Do we have anything to eat? Do you have any meat? Is what he asked. I love this statement here. He says, go cast that net on the the right hand of the boat. And there you'll find a catch. So they cast it over and boom, there's a a catch. And then you you hear John here, what is that in verse 7? And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he leaned into Peter's ear and he says, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. He recognized instantly who it was. Now, who was this? This was John the Beloved. John, the intimate one. The one that laid his head on the chest of Jesus. The one he says, I am the one. I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. We call him John the Beloved. We call him the apostle of love. Why? Because he looked and he talked and he acted a whole lot like Jesus. Enough to where they even put him into a, a barrel full of boiling oil and couldn't kill him. He leaned over to Peter and said, it's the Lord. The youngest one, the youngest one instantly recognized the voice of the one he was intimate with. But it wasn't just his voice he recognized. It was his ways. It was his movements. When Jesus said, cast it over, he says, it, that's, it's the Lord, Peter. No one else recognized it. But he did, the youngest one of them all. He said, it's, it is the Lord. You know, in Psalms 103.7, it says that Moses... He knew the ways of God, but Israel, they only knew knew his acts. They only knew his deeds. I'm going to tell you here, John, he knew his ways. He knew Jesus' motivations. He knew Jesus' heart. Not just the things that he did, not just the product of what he did, but he knew his heart. And he whispered for anyone else, that's him, that's him. What did Peter do? He was stripped off. He put his clothes back on because he's about to go in front of the king. And he jumped into the water, swam, 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 swam. And he came up to Jesus, came up to him happy. I mean, I can see a smile on his face. He's thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to us, visiting us again. And all the boys came. They brought up the fish. And we know we know this set, of, this set of scriptures here. Jesus sets them down and he, he says, do you love me? You love me three times. And he allowed Peter to give an expression of faith, an expression of his, his, his love for, for Jesus. He, you know, Jesus said, listen, do you agape me? Do you love me with a God's kind of love? And he said, no. He's like, yes, 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 I do. But, but I phileo you. I'm, I'm intimate with you. And he says, well, do you, really, do you really love me? Do you really agape me? He says, yes, I phileo you. I'm, I'm intimate with you. Jesus again says, do you love me? Are you intimate with me? He says, you know all things, Lord. You know I'm intimate with you. But before he could get released on his journey, before he could be released into apostleship, before he could could get restored, Jesus asked him one critical question. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? You say, what are these he's talking about? It could have been been this 153 fish, this great harvest that just came about. 
It's like, Peter, do, do, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this fish? Do you love me more than this harvest? Peter, do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than money? Hmm. Do you love me more than what these can provide, the security they can provide for you? Do you love me more than your desire to be successful? Do you love me more than these? It could have been, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than all these people sitting around? Do you love me more than these people? Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than Facebook and Instagram followings you have? Do you love me more than the influence that you have? Your ability to lead people? Do you love me more than the gifting I place on you to be a leader? Do you love me more than these? You could say, do you love me more than the gifts that I've given you? That's a question the Lord asked me a long time ago. Ryan, do you love me more than this? Because you can have it. But I want to know, do you love me more than that? Do you love me more than your ability to lead? Do you love me more than the money I placed in your hand? Do you love me more than these things? What was he asking? Peter, will you, will you give it all up for me? Would you give it all up for me? And this is the question I'm asking you today. Are you willing to give up everything that he's placed in your hand for him? It's not that God's trying to take things away from you. That's not, no, he's trying to put things in your hand. But he's saying, will you give it all up? Will you give up the striving? Will you give it all up for me? Because we've got to understand, church, when we're going after him, this is where you're going to find everything that he has. But what are we seeking after just to be successful? What are we seeking after the finances? What are we seeking after a great life here? Are we seeking after him? Who are, who are you? Who are you? Which one of these people are you? See, a lot of us are like, oh, I'm the intimate one. I'm the intimate one. And praise God, I hope you are. You know, I'm one of those intimate ones. And he asked me this question not too long ago. Hmm? Why? Because it's not he's trying to take things. Church, he's trying to pull us closer. And sometimes we have things in the way. We have stuff. We have people. We have his, his own blessings that he's placed in our hands. And, it, and if we're not careful, we begin to guard and protect those things instead of allowing it to flow through our hands. And we end up separating ourselves from him. And he's trying to pull us closer. Because the reality is, see, in all of us, we still have a, a little bit of doubt in our lives. We got a little bit of self-trust in our lives. As I say, you're, you're walking on one side of the fence or the other, one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, because what if this kingdom thing just doesn't work? 
What if he really won't provide for me? So we'd be like Peter and we'd go fishing. Well, the Lord is asking you a simple thing today, church. Do you love him more than these? Simple question. A very difficult thing to, to sometimes answer. But do you love him more than these things? Will you give it all up for him if he asks you to? Will you set it all aside for more intimacy with him? Are you ready to give up your doubts and your unbelief? Are you ready to give up your successes, your failures? Would you even put your giftings he gave you on the altar as a sacrifice for him? Just so you can get a cross, face to face, mouth to mouth. with the king for one more time. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And don't get all nervous. I'm not going to ask people to come up here. I'm telling you, Jesus, he's, he's asking a question for a specific purpose in this house today. For him to unfold where he desires for us to be, he wants to know, well, is there anything in between you and him that's gonna stop him from doing what he desires to do in your life? Are there any doubts? Are there any self-trust issues or any failures that you're just holding on to that you won't let go? Are you ready to give up your cares, your pursuits, your things? I'm telling you, church, some of them have been like brambles. I can see it. It's like brambles around your life and it's choking Jesus out of you. What do you want? Do you want him? Nothing more? Nothing else? Is he the only thing that will do in your life? Because it's in him you'll find every single thing you're looking for. Everything you're looking for, nothing is too big for him. He possesses it all in the palm of his hands. So this is an altar call for the saved ones. The Lord's not wanting to rebuke you. He's wanting to pull you. like a husband pulls his wife closer to himself. He says, if there is anything, just, just slip up your hand. Why? Because this, this is an act of faith. And I got my hand up. It's an act of faith. And you say, well, I just don't know, but I don't want you to see that, that I may have something that I may have something that's hindering me from deeper intimacy with him. Well, Jesus says that is your reward then. But if you want more, yield unto that. 
Allow an expression of faith to come and say, yes, Lord, I know, I know, I know I've been, I've been guarding this and I'm giving it up to you today. I'm giving it up to you. I don't want to hold it on any longer. I know I'm having troubles trusting. I know I'm having troubles with this. I know I'm scared, but I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you right now. I'm giving it to you. Why? Because I only want you. I only want you. I only want you. I only want you. I don't even want your greater level that's about to come in this church. I just want you. Because with you comes this, the depths of glory that I don't Lord, that we've only dreamed to attain to. So Father, I lift us up as a church. I lift us up as a people. Lord, you see the hands that were raised. You, you, you know our hearts. And according to our expression of our faith, Lord, we say, we say these things are yours and they're yours alone. Lord, anything that's a stumbling block, anything, no matter how large and how small, whether it's a sin or whether it's a blessing that you've given us, Lord, we offer it up on the altar. We say, take it, Lord. We say, we can trust you with it. We don't just cast our cares at your feet. We cast our lives at your feet. We submit ourselves unto you. We exalt ourselves unto you. You indeed are our king. We put full trust in you. We love you, Lord. We adore you. And now we say, take us, just like you, you took Enoch to yourself, just like you took Elijah to yourself. Draw us into that secret place. Reveal your fragrance to us. Reveal your word to us. Reveal your presence to us. Lord, reveal your heart unto us. We honor you. And we give you permission whether it's every single day, once a week, once a month, whenever you sense something that we need to remove. And we say, speak to us, lead us, guide us, direct us. And we commit this day to be obedient unto you. For we indeed put ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. It is our reasonable service. It is our worship towards a holy and a magnificent king. Hallelujah. We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. Yeah, I hear that, Lord. The Lord says there's a, there's a couple in here, a couple people in here that, that you're desiring you to recommit your life back into him. Not like you've been in any craziness, but that this so punctured your, your heart. He says he hears that. And I just want to pray with you real quick. So who is that? Just lift up your hand. You're going to have to be bold. I'm not going to pray unless you, 
unless you be in faith. I see that one. Is there anyone else in here? I see that one as well. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see that too. I see that hand as well. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I'll ask you one more time and then we're gonna pray. Is there anyone else in here? I see that hand. I see that hand, brother. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking into our hearts. I want you as a church to, to pray with me here. So we say, Father, we come back into you. We know we never left, but our heart's been separated. We desire you. I want you. Nothing less. Nothing else. I just want you. So I say, take me. I'm yours. Forgive me for anything I put before you. I apologize. I love you. I honor you. I adore you. Jesus, I'm running after you. So let's go. Let's go into the intimate place. I commit today. I commit today. I commit today to never come out again. Use me. What you've but you placed in me, use me to reveal you, your goodness, your anointing, your blessing to the people I come in contact with because you are good. You're a good lover. You're a good father. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Just lift your hands up and say, and give the Lord thanks, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we honor you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for ministering to us today. We thank you, Lord, for healing us today. Hmm. We thank you, Lord, for providing for us today because you've showed up. Hallelujah, and we thank you. All the kingdom of God comes with you. Hmm, but you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. So Lord, as we exit out of this place, as we have a time of fellowship with one another, or we take a hold of your word, we take a hold of Psalms 91, we declare it over our lives, Lord, knowing your word is real, it's true, it has power. We say there shall no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Lord, you give your angels charge of us because you adore us, you love us because you want us. We won't even dash our foot, not even stump our toe against the rock because you're that good. Why? Because we're people, we're your children. We abide in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We thank you for it, Lord. Hmm. Thank you for inviting us in. Lord, thank you, Lord, for giving us a habitation, a dwelling place. We thank you, Lord, we're protected in everything that we do. 
We're protected in the railways, the seaways, the airways, the motorways, Lord. Even as we walk down the walk paths, there is no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us or harm us. Why? Because we're yours. We're your children. We thank you, Lord, for the righteous labor of our hands. Or may we be an absolute blessing in the mission field where you've called us to work. Lord, may we wreak havoc in the adversary's plans this week. Lord, allow us to be a miracle in someone's life. Let us unveil who you are into the people that are around us. We thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you, Lord, for where we are and where you're taking us. We thank you, Lord, for this family. We walk out of here hmm, in faith and love towards you, loving, loving each and every person in here and each and every person that's coming. Our hearts are open for them. Thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood. We're empowered by your word and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen, amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie